Fundraising everywhere. 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 Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we give you a glimpse into one of our amazing webinars or conferences. You can check out one of our full sessions and get a 50% discount by using the code FEPODCAST at fundraisingeverywhere.com. Yep, just head to the Fundraising Everywhere website and use the code FEPODCAST at the checkout to get 50% off any of our sessions. So everyone is very welcome today. This is a uh, happy Friday. Uh, it's the end of the week for me when we're recording this, although you might be listening back to the recording on a cheeky Tuesday or something like that. Um, but this is a little end of week fundraiser chat. Everyone is very welcome to come in and join and share your thoughts and uh, have a gripe, have a moan do. Um, but the main thing we're talking about today is John's new book. And John's new book is out called creative deviations how you can infuse your storytelling fundraising and direct response with more creativity and i'm very proud of john and i'm very proud to be hosting this today doing a little q a with john and maybe reading uh, a few bits uh, of john's new book um but you know the pride the pride that comes out when a friend and someone you look up to in a personal and professional capacity uh create something uh, and he's created something really lovely which is this book all about um well you know focusing on direct response fundraising that is the area that john uh, particularly uh talks about but i love this book because it's really beautiful and i'm only looking at the um at a digital copy because i haven't got my physical copy yet the physical copy i'm waiting until i can get it physically signed by john uh, but i'm looking at the digital copy and it's it's packed full of really lovely imagery uh, and lots of uh visual examples of good fundraising and stuff that has worked for john stuff that has worked for his agency agents of good and stuff that has worked for uh, other fundraisers in our sector and there's some really really good examples in here and if you're listening to this and you're a, a an up-and-coming fundraiser or even a a junior fundraiser or, or someone who's new to fundraising in the, in the charity sector i would really recommend having a look at this and um and hopefully we can get the link uh, posted on Twitter um, or here for the Twitter spaces if anyone has it handy um, because there's literally stuff in here that you could almost copy and paste and I know if John if we get John's microphone working I'm sure he's not going to object to that and if, he, if we don't get his microphone working um, then he's definitely not going to object to it and that's the beauty of uh, of online because you can mute people and just not even give them the microphone um, so let me read let me read uh, John's about the author um, for anyone who doesn't know John Lepp, John Lepp's a direct response marketing and graphic design expert with almost 25 years of experience working with charities around the world to help them tell better stories and to inspire donors to give both online and offline. He is respected, not sure about that, he is respected and coveted international speaker who has traveled the world helping fundraisers to be more human and vulnerable to these other amazing humans we call donors. Now I met John. I, I I consider John a friend and and a brother. 
but also as a fundraiser, he's someone that I learn a lot from. I've seen him speak many times. We first met at a conference, if you don't include Twitter, uh, first met in real life at a conference. And we've seen each other at a number of conferences since then, uh, and even uh, spent some time together, not in a work capacity. Um, and so <laughs> John can't get on. And do you know why he can't get on? Because he's an Apple guy. So he's probably on Apple and it's not working with that. So, John, I'm going to suggest that you try a different uh, device or maybe a different browser. Don't forget that you can join us on, on browser. Um, but if anyone else wants to grab a microphone and talk about John, uh, we'd love to hear that. But in the meantime, I'm going to read a little part of John's book. Um, and I'm going to read a few parts of John's book today. Uh, a, because it's a good way for me to actually sit down and read something because uh, I keep um, procrastinating around reading. Uh, but B, because I think it's worth listening, and I think there's some interesting things uh, to talk about. So one of the first things I want to read is, see, John, John's uh, book is kind of split up into these chapters where he focuses on different areas. He's got a whole chapter dedicated to the envelope, dedicated to the envelope that you send your fundraising appeals out in. Uh, and he talks a lot about his envelopes. You know, if you've spoken to John before, you know he's obsessed with envelopes. Um, but opens up your eyes in terms of thinking about different ways that you can present it and putting yourself in the in the minds of the donor who's receiving, you know, 20, 30, 40 generic envelopes every day or every week, uh, especially if you're in North America. Um, so he just kind of takes these little things and re-looks re them. He talks about his uh, logos. Uh, he talks about, um, you know, the reply envelopes or those reply pieces that we send out. Um, and, you know, throughout the whole thing, he's talking about storytelling um, with some nice little stories and anecdotes of his own. So we do have John here, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read this first section. I'm going to talk to John. So this is a, a whole section that he does about the small things. And this is this is John. So this is the audio book of John now. And you're stuck with my nasing accent as your audio book. You've probably heard the expression death by a thousand cuts. In life and work, it's not the one thing you can do, it's the thousand that will make a difference. I've sat in a boardroom meeting after boardroom meeting where the intent is to come up with that big breakthrough idea. You're chasing ghosts. And it's the thousand small ideas that will change your organization. Under the small things, colleagues find it strange that after so many years, I still want to talk about rubber stamps and courier type. But these are the things that still can make a difference to an appeal. So why wouldn't I? On their own, small things are easily dismissed and are very rarely mentioned at conferences. They can be boring to think or talk about, but collectively, they can revolutionize your fundraising. Why? It's because small and very human things add up to a unique and personal experience for your donor. It's similar to your entire fundraising program. It would be a strategic mistake to look at a mailing and remove it because it didn't perform well. Every piece in the mailing, every mailing itself, every touch point with your donor all add up to a collective noise. Is the program you're running Chopin or Death Metal? I'll let you think about that. John, you are very welcome. Did you get your microphone working? I think so. Is this working? Yeah, that's working. How are you, John? I'm just stressed out because I had trouble getting on. Sorry. Sam. Don't stress out. Don't stress out. This is why we often pre-record stuff, isn't it? But you're very welcome, yes. John. And John, congratulations on Creative Deviations. How are you feeling? I'm excited to get it into the world. Um, I just, you know, I've been thinking about it all the way through. The, the whole intent of the book was to help our friends and colleagues just do direct response and individual giving better. I think that there's a lot of people make it seem like it's very complicated and it can be complicated, but you know, I'm always trying to find ways to simplify complicated problems because 
you know, this, this work is like real life. You know, I have to come back to that idea that we're having conversations with other humans. And I see a lot of uh, direct response uh, from lots of charities. And it's like everyone's forgotten we're actually talking to human beings. And that, I mean, we talk about this a lot about being human and fundraising. And I, and I know some of the people listening to this are obsessed with that idea as well. But even your book is it's written quite human, isn't it? You know, it's not although it's a textbook and a reference book of sorts, it's still like, when I read this, it's like, kind of like a conversation with you. Um, and was, was that a conscious effort? You kind of write like you speak. Um, that seems like a fundraising trick that you you use already. Well, we, I mean, the good fundraisers know that's exactly what we do with direct response, right? I mean, George Smith thought good fundraising should sound like someone talking. And so I really... Um, I've always written that way, very conversational. And uh, my editor was like, okay, this is a little too casual. This is still a book <laughs> that people, you know, are, are going to look at and use. So let's not, let's not get too, you know, too human here. Uh, so there were lots of swears removed kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's meant to be an easy read. It's meant to be very, there's lots of big type on purpose. There's lots of white space on purpose. There's lots of good visuals on purpose. These things are all by design because this is what we should be doing again in our fundraising. This is how humans like to enter things. We want to feel like we understand what we're reading. We want to feel like we we get the point. You know, it makes us feel smart. It makes us feel intelligent. It makes us feel like we can take some sort of action. We understand all the things. This is all very, very empowering to to write and to come across this way. So that was part of the goal for sure. It's funny as you're talking about the book itself and you're talking about white white space and the images and stuff, this is all like keys that I hear you saying at conferences all the time. And I've only, I've literally, the penny has only just dropped that you've written this like a DM piece. And even looking at it, it looks like some of your DM pieces. And when I was reading it, I realized now that I was reading it in the same way that I read your DM pieces, where it like prompts you, each paragraph makes you want to read the next paragraph. And that paragraph makes you want to read the next paragraph. And it's nice and easy on the eyes and it's nice and easy to consume, but it's full of substance. So is, is this just one like long direct mail piece for you? I never really thought about it that way, but I guess in a, in a way it is. I mean, it's, I don't know, I can belabor the point and I, I don't really want to, but again, we talk about in our work, we do a lot in fundraising and direct response and individual giving. We do a lot of things that make our donors feel old, makes them feel a bit stupid, uh, makes it very hard for them to do the thing we want them to do. And again, part of what we preach is, no, we need to stop doing these things, actually hindering our progress as an industry because of all these complications, because of these dumb fucking rules with branding style guys and that sort of thing. And we need to stop a lot of this stuff because it really is getting in the way of just really good conversations with the humans. These donors want to help. They actually want to do something. They get up every day, do want to make a difference because it makes them feel amazing about themselves. And we're really, really good at getting in the way of that and it drives me crazy why do why do you think because you've got you've got like a charity self-help almost checklist in here and the first thing on it is you you talk about charities being yourself and i, I think that's like a big thing that runs through all your stuff being human being authentic why do you think this is a bigger question but why do you think it's like this is such a mission for our sector is trying to get organizations to speak like humans and to be themselves and to be vulnerable and honest why why is that so difficult why why aren't we just naturally doing that it's fear i mean it's like in real life i i think very um you know very few people we meet in real life are actually you know you, what you see is what you get 
And we're drawn to those people because we know that's who that they're authentic. They are who they are. Uh, most people in life are are trying to be something they're not. Try to seem like they're smarter than they are. Try to like have their own agendas. They're not. They're they think from a scarcity mindset rather than an abundance mindset. All of these things also trickle into our charities. Um, it, we have to seem professional. We have to uh, come across a certain way. We can't use certain kinds of words. We can't, this will be offensive. We can't use the word love. Like all of these things, we don't really do it. We do it in our real lives too. But the more people can be even human in their real lives, that's the whole idea. We create deeper, more meaningful connections with other humans. Uh, donors don't necessarily want to be your best friend. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about, you know, when we are charities, we are asking for help. You need to be vulnerable. You need to be emotional. And if you're not prepared to do that, then you shouldn't really be in this, this industry. Because there are a lot of people in here who don't understand that you do need to be vulnerable. You do need to be emotional. And it creates deeper connections with humans called donors. Um, and they're, ruin they're, they're ruining it. They're making it very difficult for some of our friends colleagues to do their work, for sure. Who, who is they? Uh, well, I say bosses. That's, easy. That's short form for basically people who are approving your work that have no idea what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> and so it's usually bosses it's usually people you know like we simon you and i go to lots of conferences and stuff like that and i'm i'm sad and shocked by the number of times i talk to our colleagues and stuff who's you know first of all they're there by themselves they mm -hmm. report they talk to us and tell me that they they share the things they hear at conferences all the things they've been reading all the books all the education fundraising ever all these things they do to, to better themselves and they have someone who's never been to a conference who's never read a book and never been to anything saying no i'm not comfortable with this we can't do that here. Sorry. Do you know what I mean? And this is way, way too common. Um, I, I don't know how to get around that. I don't know how to help my colleagues in that atmosphere. I help them the best I can, I'm trying to help them find quick wins, little things they can do and go, hey, see, like we tried this and it worked really well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a slog. You, you like, you've got a sneaky section in your book about how charities can work with consultants and you you know you talk about that kind of the interaction between um the frontline people and, and i guess the kind of clients that you would work with and as well then you as an agency and consultants but also you talk about like relationships with people's bosses and how it's so hard to get things approved by bosses and what you can do to kind of overrule those bad opinions sometimes this is this is obviously like a common theme in your work is it you, do you find this a lot with your clients that you're up against like your main point of contact might be on board, but it's like it's a slog fighting with the organization itself because the bosses want to change everything. They want to water it down. They want to just just ruin it. We done just recently did a pack for a humane society. Uh, hopefully they're not listening. Um, but I know well, we pitched. Yeah, I was about pitched, to say you're like you're like you're, I you're one of the, the only people who just ca casually throws out names that could essentially uh, lose you business. <laughs> totally. Um, I know we pitched the idea for the pack. You know, um, it, it was met with a lot of silence and a lot Ooh. of like stern faces and a lot of uh, shifting in chairs. Yeah. Um, and um, we had to. Fortunately, the, the the fundraiser we worked with did. They they knew who we were. They knew what we were going to bring to the table. They knew this is something. This is what we were going to do. That's what we're you know what we're all about is trying to do uh, fundraising, individual giving that that donors will will look at 
And once they look at it, I'm I'm halfway to the to the game, the donation, right? And not only mm-hmm. look at it, I want them to engage with it. But again, I'm okay with making donors. I'm, they don't make them uncomfortable. I want them to engage with it, but obviously in a very different way than the organization wants to. The organization, hey, I think did genuinely did not like the pack. They didn't want to use it anywhere. They kind of mm-hmm. held their and let it go in DM. Um, and everyone just kind of pretended it didn't exist. But when it raised, you know, $300,000, 300% more uh, than than the last time that did the appeal, well, okay, maybe this is okay. But it's like we refused to <laughs> refuse it that actually, all right, this actually really worked and mm. we can be trying to do here. So people are still kind of really uncomfortable because it, for lots of different reasons, people have their own agendas or uh, whatever and stuff. But yeah, sometimes it's a bit frustrating because it's like you do feel like you're really... I hate I hate trying to convince anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Um, I know what I know what works because I've I've done this for twenty five years. Um, I'm I'm shit at trying to convince you to do it. Uh, if you want to do it, amazing, that's fine too. But everything that I I try to talk about and share and blog about and write about and put in a book are things that have been tried over and over and over again and will help you raise more money. That's the bottom line. Well, I, I, as you get older and grumpier as well, John, you're, so you're less, less inclined to like try and convince people and you just end up walking away and just like, fine, don't do it. I don't care. Like it's too, I'm, I'm done trying to convince. Yeah. Cause there are people who do understand. There are people who do understand what we're trying yeah. to do here and come to the table saying, okay, I've, I've got my budget. I'm prepared to do this. Let's go. Let's be creative. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's do something that our donors are going to really flock to and give to because they want to. There's, they want to, but again, we mm. just have a bad habit of getting in the way of that. Um, so let's let's ask and get out of the way. I like it. If anyone wants to uh, just tweet a question, then feel free to, to at me, uh, and I'll and I'll ask John. But I wanted to ask you, John, in in terms of the book, you cover a lot of things. A lot a lot of it is it's really interesting because it's stuff I've heard you talk about before casually or seen you present in conferences. But then here it all is collated into one goldmine of stuff. What is your what are you most into in this book like what is your most passionate subject and the bit is it the bit you write first or the bit that was easiest to write or what's the bit that gets you most fired up in your book uh it's this it's funny because i've done a couple people and a couple podcasts and a couple things and it's interesting to see people gravitating towards some of the same things uh Mm -hmm. one of the big things is the use of voice uh in direct response um, most organizations use the the boring droning voice of their ED. No offense if your ED is boring and has a droning voice. Um, nonetheless, um, do you have more voices than just that to use organization? And so something people have seen us present know that we really mess and have fun with creative use of voice in our appeals because it does make it instantly. I was saying this to a, 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 a client the other day who I'm coaching, and I said, you know, if you take, you know, the core essence of your story of why you exist. If I want you to sit down tonight with a glass of wine, I want you to first have, they were a reef, uh, reef protection organization, uh, ocean reefs. And I said, I want you first to have a, a fish, uh, sit down and talk to an, to someone about why they care about this issue. I want them to explain it the way they would explain it. And then I want you to, to do like a child would. And then I want you to do it like a scientist would. And I want you Wait, to- what, what, was the se- what was the second one? A, a child. Oh, a child. And the first yeah. one is a fish sitting down. Uh, is a fish just looking sitting at- Sitting down. Different... What? Sitting down. Why is the fish sitting down? Fish don't sit. You said the fish was sitting down. I'm just trying to get the picture in my head. <laughs> the fish floating in the water. Uh, okay. Just so happens to have a, uh, a something that works on it. Um, 
the, the exercise really is looking at how can you use different voices to tell the same story because they would all tell Um And so I'm always trying to look, I know what the issue is. I know what I'm asking for. I know what the problem is. But if I change that voice and pers- perspective, more importantly, it's amazing how much that story has more life, depending on who tells that story. So I, again, the, I, I spent some time used, talking about use of voice in your appeals and how how changing the perspective on a problem can make the problem seem much easier to solve or much more scary or much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's that's one of my favorites. That's one something I'm always trying to think about, like who else can tell this story? Because there's lots of different people that tell that story. I, th- I think that was like an area that you and your business partner, Jen, um, opened my eyes to most when I kind of first met you and first started, started speaking to you. It's like, it doesn't always have to be, or, or in fact, it should rarely be us telling the story about the organization or about someone else's experience, but actually we should be sharing their stories. So, you know, they're writing the stories. You've got volunteer stories, you've got beneficiary stories, you've got frontline staff stories, you know, even donors themselves. And and I think that really blew my mind that it's like, God, not only does this make it so much more interesting in terms of sharing what the what your organization is doing but as fundraiser actually makes our job easier because we don't have to keep creating content on a blank piece of paper we're taking other people's stories and we're just kind of facilitating that and they're way more interesting than anything we could try and explain Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i mean there's some there's some fundamentals at work there i mean another section i do spend some time with an increase and so keep coming back to is just resharing some of the fundamentals of direct response like Talking about your list isn't the most fun and creative thing in the world, but if the, the people you're mailing or emailing or talking to don't give a shit about you, that's your list. You're dead You're dead in the water, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, like a common question I ask, these people come from? These people you're emailing or mailing or talking to, where did they come from? And often mm-hmm. I find fundraisers don't actually know where these people have come from. That's a monumental problem. So in other words, creatively, I can't even do my work like properly. Um, because if if I'm talking to people who don't care about the the issue at hand, but anything, right? So mm-hmm. I've come back to sort of talking about like in the importance of offer. I love talking about offers. I love sharing like a classic direct response or individual giving offer is give well, us what do you mean by what do you mean by offer? Offer, ask, the thing you're asking for, the problem mm. at hand. So every appeal, every case, everything you do has to have an offer slash ask. And a classic mm. a classic ask is give us $7 now or the dog gets it. And it's yeah, classic. That's, not one of, that's not one of yours, is it? it? I stole it from Sean Triner, who probably stole it from someone else. But I love it because it illustrates the point, which is it's clear on what the problem is, You know, which is the, do- the dog's going to get it. It's clear mm. what the solution is, which is your seven dollars will make sure the dog doesn't get it. You know, it's clear what the action is, which is we need your seven dollars, and it has some urgency, which is we need it now. Yeah. And and I remind people that every appeal, every every email, everything, every time you're fundraising, every case has to have a version of that. And I see lots of fundraising. People are like, "Here's my great letter. It has an amazing story." I'm like, "Great," but it doesn't actually ask for anything. And so Jen and I argue about this all the time. There's this is where you overlay storytelling and great stories, but you have to have a key offer. If you have a crap list and no offer, you're I don't it doesn't matter. You're dead. There's your appeal is not going to raise anything. It just won't. Well, that, 
that's truly junk mail if it's if it's not your list and there's no no good offer in it that's that's the definition of junk mail really isn't it it really is and a lot of people people are perplexed why their appeals aren't raising money and they blame it on all sorts of things usually the donors like oh the donors don't care the donors are tired of Donor fatigue yeah like we blame everything on donors all the time and i'm just like mm. shut up like seriously this is definitely a you problem this isn't a them problem what we're talking about yeah. is a you problem so anyways, I'm not trying to be negative. I know everyone's trying to do really hard work and I'm I'm sort of making light of it, but there's a lot of things I'd like to, to sort of lean into fundamentals because I think we've forgotten a lot of fundamentals. We're off chasing Bitcoin and lots of things that just don't, it's not that they don't matter, but you've just lost the forest for the trees. Do you know what I mean? We're not actually focusing on the key essential things that will make a difference. And again, that was part of the reason why I wanted to write the book was to share some really key fundamental things that I learned 25 years ago and the people who wrote those books or learned those things 25 years before them but we've kind of forgotten uh some some of these these key things yeah i mean i mean you talk about being negative and i think both you and i could easily be accused of being negative sometimes but it's like you know i still think it's important this stuff is said sometimes because we're all we're all victims of we get caught in well that's just the way it is and we get carried away and and i get like caught up in the hype of new things and stuff like that and you do forget the fundamentals or you or you get bored of the fundamentals sometimes and so it is worth someone saying it out loud sometimes or, or you know checking you with it and saying well actually if you don't get the basics right it doesn't matter how clever you are and how much new stuff you you introduce it's still not going to work you have to get those fundamentals right yeah, absolutely. You know, and I and I look, you know, part of the book talks about design your boss hates, you know, as a designer, mm. like I sort of I learned a long time ago to get out of my own way. There's not a lot of room for my subjective opinion on the things that I like in my work. Mm. And I have learned over and over again that every time another design out to a piece, it's actually only detracting from what I want the donor to do, which is to make a gift. And so I have to teach a lot of designers how to stop designing. Because mm. they're like we see everything in our world looks very pretty and perfect all the time, and over and over again, the more imperfect I can make things, the more actually I design for what donors need, not what I want. Again, the more effective it is, and again, that has very little to do with a lot of these professional graphic standards and all these professional things we put in place. It all again only gets in the way uh, of of donors feeling like they're connected to an organization and a mission they care about. Mm. Well, one of the things I was really happy to see in here, you've got loads of great examples and like really practical stuff, but you've got your Star Wars case study in here, which which I'm so glad the one that you and Rory did, because that's something that I still use and I still point to people towards. Because for me, it's it's basically like a checklist of this is how you write a direct mail piece, a direct response piece to, to donors. It's like, and it's so hard to get those step-by-step -step instructions, but you've done it with this. I love it. Yeah, I still kind of expect to walk to my mailbox one day and get a letter telling me to cease and desist, which would yeah. be amazing. Which would be amazing. I have to be honest. You'd uh, have to frame it. I would have to frame it, and I would probably like absolutely uh, <laughs> make a big deal out of that. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly again, again there. And I'm clear at the very beginning, this isn't a book of checklists. It's not if you do one, two, and three things, this is what's going to happen. There's lots of room for nuance. In this work, in creativity, there's always room for nuance. There are very few definitives, but there are some things, some guides you can follow. Um, and and the so the book I think walks the line between those two things. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not mm -hmm. about 
the, the key five things you do and this is what's going to happen. So, um, and I want people to apply their own creativity and be more creative in their work uh, because that's what makes it fun. And again, there's room for it. You're not going to, you're not going to, like I've said to some fundraisers recently, you're not going to break anything. Donors aren't mm-hmm. going to, donors aren't going to hate you. They're not going to walk away. Your, mm-hmm. your mailing program is not going to fold by doing yeah. these things. Like, don't, don't be afraid. And it's a, it is usually, like I said, it comes back to a bit of fear. The idea of being a bit vulnerable and emotional, especially vulnerable. Being creative is about being vulnerable, as you know, Simon. Uh, we know we're being judged by our creativity or lack of it and stuff. And that makes people feel uncomfortable. And that's not how most people like to feel. Um, but again, it does, it does create and make for much more interesting and more effective uh, fundraising. So... Mm. I love it. And I, love, I do, John, I love the way you give fundraisers confidence to try these new things and to to learn more and to develop their own skills. And I think, you know, that's one of the great things about this book is it's riddled with that kind of supportive language and, and supportive things. So just really, I want to say congratulations to you, John. I'm really proud of you and I'm really happy to see that this is finally out there. Thank you, Simon. I'm proud of myself too. And I'm also very excited to see this thing get into the world, into the hands of our friends and colleagues. And, mm. uh, and I'm loving hearing some of the early feedback. Uh, it's, it's definitely seems to be hitting the mark, uh, and, and helping those who I explicitly pictured when I was writing it. Lovely. So where can people get this, John? Um, I'm assuming there's a link in your Twitter bio, but if someone's listening on the podcast recording, uh, where did they find it? Yeah, there's, um, the, the, my publisher in printer here in Canada and the publisher is called civil sector press. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you Google Civil Sector Press, you'll you'll find the link to the book. Um, they appreciate it. It helps the world go around by helping our local uh, suppliers um, yeah. and printers. Um, it is for people who are further afield. Um, every pretty much every Amazon in the world has it listed digitally and as a print-on-demand book. Um, and you can also buy it on um, Apple Books. Uh, almost mm-hmm. again, almost every market in the world, which is super exciting. Nice. So readily available. And like I said, I'm I'm stuck with my digital copy so far, um, but I will see you. Um, well, I'll see you at IFC if I don't see you before, and I will get my copy signed, my physical copy signed at that stage. So Sounds I'm really fantastic. looking forward to that. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for your time, John. And um, and we're going to wrap up there. For anyone listening to the podcast, um, you know, thank you, uh, as always, to all the Fundraising Everest supporters, attendees, members, sponsors. Uh, we appreciate you all. Do check out fundraisingeverywhere.com to see uh, what future events we have. Fun fact, John was actually a speaker at the very first Fundraising Everywhere, and you can still access his session and, and the copies he's done since those. You can still access those on demand um, um, as individual sessions. And I'm sure John will be speaking at one of our conferences in the future. Um, so do check out our events coming up. We hope to see you at, a, at an event on fundraisingeverywhere.com in the near future. Um, and besides that, uh, thanks for listening and have a good day, everyone. Take care.